Hey, and welcome to Rolanda On Demand. I'm Rolanda Watts, and I have a great guest for you today. Somebody who has one heck of a story to tell. You may remember Dave Sanderson. Back in 2009, he was the last survivor on that plane that crashed in the Hudson River. You remember it was called the Miracle on the Hudson. And Dave Sanderson, after helping save other people, there were 155 people who were survivors, very few serious injuries. But boy, was this a story that kept us on the edge of our seats. The amazing crew, how they were able to land the plane in those icy waters of the Hudson. And boy, for 155 people to survive, yeah, that's what you call a miracle on the Hudson. Well, there were a lot of lessons that came out of that experience, according to Dave Sanderson. He's put them in books, he's put his experiences in speeches, and he's here to share some of the greatest lessons that he's learned. I guess you might say what he had to reinvent about himself after that brush with death. And um, boy, some of the things you can learn about the mindset because Dave says, you know what? We're all gonna go through our own plane crash in life. Some of us are there right now under COVID-19. But how do you stay focused? How do you not panic? Because it's what we do in these times that are going to be how we thrive when we get out into these new times that we're facing. But it's all about reinvention. It's all about uh, the stories that we tell that help others. And it's about the legacies that we leave with our stories and our life. And we're going to talk to Dave Sanderson right now here on Rolanda On Demand. It's road time. Welcome to Rolanda On Demand. I love my podcast because we not only tackle the tough issues of the day, but we deal with hot topics, celebrity interviews, and information that can help you in your business or relationships. This is Rolanda On Demand. People are so on edge. And, and you know, Dave, I'm so glad you're here to talk with us because if you talk about booking a great story, I mean, how do you beat Dave Sanderson's story? And just to repeat, just to, if you're just tuning in, um, welcome to Rolanda On Demand. And Dave Sanderson is my guest today. I uh, really am excited about this because his story, and we, we were all gripped to the tube back in 2009 in the cold of January, when that plane went down in the Hudson River. And it was called the Miracle on the Hudson. Dave was the last survivor to walk out, 155 people, very few serious injuries. It was an amazing feat. Uh, you know, cheers to the crew that landed the, the plane. And thank God everybody survived. And Dave talked about being waist deep in the freezing cold river and surviving and thinking that he might not survive at some point. But the story that you've been telling ever since then is a story about, you know, your life flashing in front of you, because I want to know what does it feel like when you really think you're going to die, um, you know, and yep. just the legacy that you've decided to leave with your life, you know, being given this second chance, the reinvention you go through, the advice that you have for people when they have their own plane crash, so to speak. Um, this is great stuff. And to see how, I mean, you're also helped, but we're all in that kind of mode. Right. You say, don't panic, stay focused. What else do you say? How do we stay calm? Because even people in the grocery store will tick you off right now. And That's the right. mask thing and the Black Lives Matter thing. And it's just so much going on. 
it's everything going on. I appreciate that because I call this, everybody has their own personal plane crash moments. Uh, you know, and that, this is what we're all going through right now. We're going through a personal plane crash. This is a traumatic life event that no one could have expected, just like a plane crash. No one expects to be in a plane crash. So um, it's, it's a really it's an amazing time. But one of the things I talk about, Ron, is, is especially like right now, it's how to manage your mind, or it's called state management, right? And how do you do that when everything's coming at you constantly? I mean, whether it's the media or whether it's you go into the store and someone sees someone out of a mask on, I mean, everybody's on edge right now. That's right. Everybody's on edge. So one of the things that I talk about and it helped me that day on the plane was I knew how to manage my mind because of all the training and everything that I've done. And there's really three ways to manage your mind. It's first is change your physiology, the way you move your body. Second is your language patterns. And third is your focus. So if you understand that premise and say, okay, I understand the premise. So when you get into a situation like we're all in right now, you got to do one of those three things to keep, get your mind focused directly. So, you know, what I do and my first go-to is I move my body because that's the easiest for me. If you, as soon as you move your body, you change the way your body moves, you change your mind the way it thinks, and you, get, you can get your mind right. But sometimes, like I was on a plane, you can't get up and move. Because right now, if you get on a plane and move, what is it? Right? You can't move. So you have to change, either do one or the other. You either change your language patterns or what you focus on. So right now, the, what I can tell folks what I'm writing in my new book is about how do you focus in these kind of times? How do you? So I, I talk about then we talked about a little bit about sensory acuity. How do you, how do you communicate with yourself? You know, and that's self talk you know, is so much of that. It's so much yeah. self talk because it's listen, all we're isolated, Dave. You know, not everybody is living with a family. Some people are just living <laughs> with themselves or very small or staying so isolated. How? What is that self talk? What do you say when you don't know uh -huh. when your next job is going to come in or if your job is going to come back? You. You, you're praying that you stay healthy. You, you're just hearing all this news all the time. I mean, there's so much stress. What, what do you say? What do people do? What can, I, what can you do right now? Well, right now, what I've encouraged people to do and what I've been doing, and it's, it's just like when you and I started talking a few weeks ago, every day I've committed to talk to five new people because what people are dying for now, and this, this was evident to me about, probably about six, eight weeks ago. And I, I take you by son graduated from high school. But he couldn't, they couldn't do the normal graduation. They had to do virtual graduation, right? But our church did a pseudo in-person. So we, they actually could walk, the kids could walk at the church. So we, they brought everybody together, but we had to socially distance. We had to wear our mask, right? Mm -hmm. Until we got there. And no one stayed in their circles. Because what people are dying for right now is community. What I, I coach people now is, number one, I make a list I'm over here five people a day I talk to I'll just pick up the phone until like, I, like we did a couple of weeks ago mm -hmm. that way at least I have community but second what I do every day is I start out early and I listen to a good book I gotta put something good into my head why I'm moving my body because that now immerses that in my body so I, I have I have a ritual and I talk about rituals and I think it's right now it's very important because there's so many people that are locked in they don't know where to go. They don't know where to turn. And they're hearing all this negative stuff, whether it's going on in the cities or COVID or whatever. Money's tight. I've lost my job. What am I going to do? You've got to get resourceful. It starts with resourcefulness. And that's what happened on the plane that day. And that's what the most, 
the most important thing now is about resourcefulness. It's not the resources that you don't have. So what do you do with the resources that you do have? That you do have. That's what I say. Just look at the cards you've been dealt. Let's see how we can That's right. play this hand. You know, That's exactly right. Um, many years ago, certainly nothing on the level that you had, but we, a gazillion years ago, we were on a flight to LA and the landing gear wouldn't come down. And we thought we were going to have to have a crash landing. And I remember something that, that you spoke about also, those moments after that crash or just before it, there was dead silence. You right. didn't have people screaming and going crazy. It was, you could hear a pin drop. That's kind of eerie and kind of crazy. What's going through your mind at that time? And how in the world do people just naturally, stay, I guess they stay calm at that moment? Well, it's interesting you say that because then you look, you look at a movie like Flight with Denzel Washington, right? Mm -hmm. I love watching that because of the traumatic contrast to what happened to us. Because right. if you've seen that movie, right? And yes, it's not, I'm not talking about the pilot story. I'm talking about what happened in the, while he was going down. Right. People were going crazy, right? Right. And, and the people I've talked to who have been in other incidents, this is like what you just said, is silence. Because I think that's the moment when people say, okay, this is it. This is it. I better get, I better get, I better get good with whatever i got to get good with right now. Because I've got less than a minute, maybe, that I'm going to live. That's what happened to me. And I, the people I talked to on the plane, uh, you know, after that, because it was eerily silent. There, you could hear a pin drop as this plane's going down in the last minute. And it's like all you see is water at 120 miles an hour straight ahead of you. Oh my God. And some people were texting and calling people, but in, what happened to me is I saw the movie of my life pass before my eyes. That's what happened to me. As soon as I, I, I realized, okay, this, we crossed over the George Washington Bridge. We only cleared it by 400 feet. And you look down, you see people's faces like, uh oh, we're pretty close. And you know, you got about 60 seconds, and this is it. Game's over. Oh my God. Yeah, because I've never, ever seen a successful water landing. Never. Because you usually see a problem. It was a miracle. <laughs> it was a miracle. But I tell people what's amazing was I saw the movie of my life. I saw things in my past with clarity. I saw, I, I started realizing why was I here on earth? And I started thinking, am I the only person that did this? So what happened was about a year and a half, two years later, we had a lady at our church. Remember the Haiti, the Haiti earthquakes? Yeah. She was in the Haiti earthquake, and she was underneath rubble for about six hours thinking the same thing. And I asked Pam, I said, Pam, what was going through your mind? Because I saw the movie of my life. I said, maybe that's it. Maybe we all just get real quiet because, okay, now I'm seeing what my life is all about and why I'm here. I was going to say, did you like what you saw? There's a lot of, I mean, a lot, a lot of good, good things. Like playing Little League Baseball and hitting that winning home run. But then you see some of the things that you probably regretted, right? Mm -hmm. So that's when you say, I, I got another chance. And what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with it? I hear you heard from your mom. You kept hearing your mom when you were going yes. through this. What was your mother saying? And was she alive? or? No. My mother passed away in 1997. Um, but what happened is when, this, when I got to the aisle, because my game plan, I mean, the last thought before we crashed, I had two final thoughts. First, I hope my wife pays off the mortgage. Because <laughs> now she's going to be a multimillionaire, right? She should have enough money to pay off the mortgage. That was a, but the last thought was, I'll up out. My game plan. I'll up out, right? If I survived it. But when I got to the aisle is when I heard my mother. Now, my mom passed away, but there was something that she would tell me when I was a child that I heard her talk, say in my head. It was, if you do the right thing, God will take care of you. And, you know, in my new book, I'm going to actually write about this one specific moment because I think, you know, 
I'm thinking now, was she sitting at the left hand of God when she was saying this? Right? If you do the right thing, I tell people, what I, as I thought about that moment, is my mother, and Ron, I don't know about your mom, my mom had a great influence on me on a number of different ways, but one of the, probably the greatest things she did is make me make decisions for myself. Because she didn't say do the right thing, she says if you do the right thing, which is a choice. Right. I mean, I could have gotten off the plane, that could have been the right thing for me, but I decided to go back in the back of the plane and help see if anybody needed help. And I, I think one of the things that I uh, probably failed at as a parent, um, I know I have, is I haven't made my kids make decisions for themselves enough. Because when you get in that critical moment, like we're talking about, that one moment, it's it. The defining moment. If you can't make a decision, you don't, you're, you don't have a shot. Yeah, you can't be on like, I got, I got, I got. and you know, and right. you don't want to make a decision like what we're learning right now during this COVID situation. You don't want to make a decision in panic either. That's right. You that's know, right. That's, you're never going to make a great decision that way. But I love the, the, that what you, I mean, you just think about, you, you try to spend so much time trying to figure out your life and then this one fleeting moment, it flashes by you and you get this clarity all of a sudden. I mean, we don't want to have to go through a plane crash to do that. Right. Right. But um, but I do like what what you what you what you learned that when life throws you a curveball, what do you do? Yep. You knock it out the park, I guess. <laughs> That's right. You got you you got to take, you got to take action, right? You got to take action. I mean, I talk about the two key, key, key tenets of personal leadership is being resourceful and being able to make a decision. If you can do those two things, you can lead yourself. And so I think, like I said, I think one of the greatest sort of epiphanies that I've had. After this, I was asked this question. I think it was either Good Morning America or the early show. I forget which one. Was what? What sort of changed? Right? What changed in that moment? I, I said, I think one of the things I realized is this. And I said, I'm not proud of it, but I was probably pretty judgmental when I grew up. I would judge people pretty quickly. I size them up, make a decision, and move on. Right? But I, what, I had a circumstance happen on Good Morning America. We were in the green room after we got off, and it was probably about. 40 passengers and the crew, we were in there doing our thing, and this one passenger just started going off. Start, I mean, went into a rage. And I'm like, look at this guy, like, what's wrong with this guy, right? We survived the plane crash, we're on national TV, we're blessed. What's wrong with this guy? But then I found out later that he was going through a divorce and he lost his job. And I started thinking to myself, Rolanda, how many times in my life have I judged somebody so quickly? Right? Before I knew their backstory, that maybe cut off a relationship, cut off a job opportunity, cut off some money. So what if I change that one thing? If I could become less judgmental, how could that change my life? So I started doing that. And all of a sudden, I'm speaking to the Supreme Court with Justice Anthony Kennedy being there. Right? I'm doing things that you would never, because I changed that one thought worldview, become less judgmental. I think a lot of people are doing that now, and I yep. think it's really exciting. I think it, it, it's a shame that it took a, a major international movement to get people to be more empathetic and, and non-judgmental, but I think it's a, it's a good move. And I think it also uh, frees your own life a lot more. From yeah, most definitely. I agree with that. Yeah. It, it just opens yourself up. It's like, you know what? If, if People may judge me all the time, but if I don't judge them, that's their problem, mm -hmm. not my problem. Yeah, and it's but open. So, yeah. yeah, I but I, I love that that sense of reinvention isn't just like I'm going to do this new job or I'm going to do this. It's really, you know, like, what they say, it's an inside job. 
you know, it's yep. working on ourselves as well. You are now uh, passing on your legacy so brilliantly, but you're also tapping into not only your mom, but some other people who've been very influential in, in yep. your life. Um, and, and, you know, you were telling me this story about somebody who was like a mentor to you, who was, I, it was kind of like your Tuesdays with Maury story. Yeah, I, I was very blessed, and uh, I think people come into your life for a reason. And for me, you know, when that, the back story quickly was I didn't have a job when I got out of college in 1983. And my dad, who I tell my people, if he say anything about my dad is this. He was a man of his word. When he said, you're going to be out in 30 days, you're going to be out in 30 days. <laughs> and I wasn't out in 30 days. So he got me, he got me my first, helped me get my first job, which was a second assistant restaurant manager at Howard Johnson, right? I knew nothing about Howard Johnson except ice cream, right? Nothing, right? But I had to get out of the house. So my third stop was here in Charlotte, and second shift, second assistant manager on second or third shift. You're not, you're not nine to five in it, right? right. You're, you're, you're going home at two or three o'clock in the morning. But fortunately, there was an el a gentleman, elderly gentleman, his name's Bill, came in the restaurant with his wife, Bonnie, every night. And he'd have his ice cream, and he'd have his coffee, and we'd talk. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I started talking to this guy, and he was, I, he wore a flannel shirt, drove a pickup truck, so you're in the South, you're from the South, you understand. Your preconceived judgment is he's a good old boy, <laughs> right? Just a good old boy. But I found out when he gave me a couple movie passes to go take my girlfriend, who is now my wife, to the movies, he owned a movie theater, and I found out he owned 80 movie theaters, <laughs> and he was known as the Sam Walton of Charlotte. He was a guy you would never, but, so, he was sort of talking, and then it was December 23rd of 1983, I remember it, because it was a very significant defining moment in my life, when he brought, he brought his wife's Christmas present to, to the restaurant. I said, let me show you what I got Bonnie, it was a blue Corvette. I'd never seen a blue Corvette. I'd never seen a Corvette. I'd never smelled a Corvette. I couldn't even spell Corvette, right? <laughs> so, but he threw me the keys and said, let's take a spin. So I got behind the wheel of this Corvette, and we went up and down the street, right? And this one is beautiful. I said, man, she's going to love this. He goes, you need one of these. I said, Bill, I'm making $13,000 a year. I can't pay my rent. He goes, that's your problem. It's your mindset. He goes, would you mind if I sort of gave you some insights, some coaching on that? And I, and I grew up in, you know, with a family that you respected elders, right? You, and that's my mom taught you always respect elders. It doesn't matter who the elder is. You're, so, sure, for over the next 14 years, he was teaching me all these life lessons. And he would, we would get together, and he would just tell me these stories. But he always had a sort of a lesson in the story. Because his backstory is this. In 1929... When he was a young guy, he, won, he, he was a young guy, he wanted to open a movie theater, but he had, knew nothing. But he had this mentor come into his life who taught him these lessons, these things, on how, how to build a business during the Depression and the upcoming World War. And he, start, he started his movie theater business in 1929 because he loved the movies. It was brand new, right? I mean, the movie, movie house was a big thing. Mm -hmm. And especially during and, the Depression. And, and, but no one had any money, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but he learned this, these lessons. So he was teaching me these lessons he got in 1929 for this 14-year period. And then after my mom passed away, he asked me to come over to his house. Because I wasn't, I mean, I don't know if you've ever lost a parent and you, and you have to bury a parent. It's, you, you just sort of, you don't know what to do, right? Yeah. So 
I was in and out of it, so I went to his house, and he, he walked over to his desk. He had this beautiful big roller desk. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. Pulled this thing open and opened up. I got all these notes out, sat down right next to me. He said, I want to give you this. I said, what is it? He goes, these are the notes my mentor gave me in 1929. This is what I've been teaching you. Whoa. He said, and, he, and these were crumpled it's notes. Like the his Holy handwritten, Grail. His handwritten notes from 1929, which I, I looked at like, whoa, whoa. He goes, but you have to promise me something. I said, why? He goes, don't let it die with you. So he gave me these notes, right? And he passed away a few months later. He passed away in September of that year, in 1997. And so what do I do? I put them in a journal and I don't look at them. I have gold in my hands. Yeah. I don't look at them. Until I shall write my, neck, my, my book, Moments Matter. I, I'm going back through my journals and I find these notes. And I'm sitting here, where I'm sitting right now, I'm like, what an idiot I am. What a what an don't idiot! You, don't you believe in timing, divine timing? That you found well, that's what at happened. the right time. That's what happened because what happened was I called my partner in Atlanta, Don. I said, Don, I want to share. I want to show you how I got here. I, uh, we were doing this. I show. He says, he goes, God doesn't give you the lesson until you're ready for it. That's right. I believe that. Yeah, and that's the name of my new book. God gives you the lesson when you're ready for it. That's when my new ready. book. That's the new book. Well, what a great title. Book. But you know something, it's also interesting that, what, that you bring out that during this time when we're locked in and, you know, and thinking about our lives and our next moves and our reinventive moments, um, to go through some of the old stuff that we have that might remind us of something, brush off a book idea or memoir, or just remind us of the, the blessings that we have and family and put a family album together, whatever. I think this is a good time to go through the, the, the moments of our lives. I agree. I think I think what you just asked earlier, Ron, it was spot on. Because I think right now, what somebody could be doing is journaling everything every day, because what you're writing right now is for a legacy for somebody. Because this is going to happen again in a hundred years. That's right. right? Happened a hundred years ago with the Spanish flu. It's happening right now. It's going to happen a hundred years from now. That's right. Why don't you journal what you're doing right now and give somebody a, a, a legacy of yourself? Right. Even, right. You know what? Even if it's the story of I am so afraid right now or I am trying to find faith or whatever you're going through to tell right. the reality, the truth of that story. I think that that definitely helps you get through what may feel like those panic moments during these times, but also helps us put things into perspective. You know, life is all about the texture. You know, we don't right. pay uh, we don't pay all that money to go to the movies to see a bunch of people happy and living an easy life. I mean, what it, I think the story at the end of the day, we hope we don't have a story like yours to tell all the time, Dave. But the more dramatic and sometimes the the toughest things we go through are the stories and the legacy and the roadmap that we offer right. behind for others. Everybody and I, I've said this. Everybody's going to have a personal plane crash in their life. I don't care if you're Queen Elizabeth or you're the janitor at midnight, right? Everybody's got something. A, a cancer or a car accident or, or something's going to happen through your life, right? So you've got to understand and you got to understand the mindset and how to get through this because if you can get through those moments, you can get through anything. And there's, many, there's all these people who've had cancer. I, I, I talked to a young lady who had breast cancer here about three weeks ago. And she, we were having the same conversation. I said, you survived breast cancer. I mean, this is nothing, right? This is nothing. That's true. Put it in perspective, right? Put everything in perspective. And you also talk about gratitude. I mean, with yep. somebody who was the last person to walk off the, walk off the plane that crashed in the Hudson, the miracle on the Hudson, you have got to have gratitude, I, I can imagine. 
I'm sure that serves you well in life. Most definitely, because once you believe that you're giving thanks, you know, something bigger than you are, right? Because you, if you don't, if you can't thank something, whatever you believe in, whether it's God, Jesus, whatever you believe in, right? I just say believe in something. Right. If, if you if you can't have gratitude and give thanks to that that being for giving you life, giving you another opportunity. So every day I start out with a prayer. I mean, because I. I shouldn't be here. I, I almost died three times that day. And that's the part of the story that doesn't get told a lot. And uh, we'll be telling it in this book. There's three moments. Not only during the plane crash, I survived that, but on the ferry. And then when I was in the triage center, when all of a sudden someone puts, puts a tag on my foot. What? And, and I'm sitting there with no clothes on, with a tag on my foot. And the only thing I can relate to that was the TV show MASH. When they tagged your toe, they're carding you out. I said, I didn't make it. I said, it's, it's, I said, it's a movie ghost. I said, the ghost is real. I'm watching myself die. Wow. And that's exactly and the hypothermia, I can only imagine. It's genuine. I had hypothermia. My, 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 you know, my blood pressure was out of control. My, my temperature was down to 94. Things were, and that's what happened. And, but I survived. And I get to the hospital, and all of a sudden, you have seven people just beating on you, right? Mm-hmm. Trying, and you're like, what? all these things are happening. So, yes, it's... But Ron, I tell you, when when you have when you're on the floor naked in front of all these people, you don't, and you have a tag on your foot, it's like you didn't make it. Wow. You didn't make it, and that's and so fortunately, I had the, the, the EMTs were outstanding, but then she said you got to go now because she knew I was going down pretty quick, and you know they did the right thing because they had to cut your clothes off because you've been in the water for seven minutes. And listen, 30, at that point, who's 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 dealing with modesty? <laughs> Listen, there's a girl over here with no pants on. The guy over here has underwear on, right? So I was like, all right, right? Wow. Do you stay in contact with the other survivors? Do you guys have like a special kind of union? There is, there is. But I'm really close to the gentleman I was with in the hospital because he and I, he, we were only two people stayed in the hospital the night, Barry and I. He fractured his sternum on impact because when he hit, you know, he got jarred, and then he jumped in the water to swim, and he fell flat on the stern. So he fractured his sternum, and here I was at hypothermia. So we were in the hospital together in New Jersey, so he and I stay in contact pretty consistently. And then there's times when everybody sort of gets, you know, does their thing, but I think everybody sort of matched up with a couple people because we had similar experiences. Um, and Barry and I had the experience of we're the only two people who stayed the night in the hospital. Wow. Right? Which is another part of there. It makes sense that you're a big supporter of the American Red Cross. I well, they were there on shore. They were on shore there with a blanket and carried me. And, you know, I had three Red Cross experiences in that 14-hour period. Um, and I tell people, I, I never you know, gave them much credit. I mean, I gave blood, right? I did my thing. But then in 14 hours, I got three Red Cross experiences. And they didn't have to be there, right? But they were there. So that's why I dedicate my, I would gratitude my time and efforts to help them raise money. Because, uh, you know, like right now we're in hurricane season. There's a hurricane that just hit, right? Another one coming to Florida right now. I grew up in North and Carolina. And listen, and ate at the Red Cross for three days getting stuck in a hurricane once. So I'm right. a big supporter of American During experience. all this COVID stuff, right? Yeah. You had all the COVID stuff going on and a hurricane coming. Well, you know, it's amazing because you're also bringing out just how many heroes we have among us. And, you know, when you're called to duty, you, you do what you do. I don't know if that's God sent or just something in eight, but it's something to remember that when all 
hell hits the fan, just stay calm and stay focused and, and do the right thing. Do the right do thing. Do the right thing. You right. know, and it's also those frontline workers and the essential workers. And but but the story that you tell, Dave, is helping each other also, making that decision to help others and and then um and then making a life a legacy. I can't well, wait to hear your book, your 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 book with your mentor. And yep. I know you continue to uh, change lives. Anything else that you want to say? Well, I would just say, number thank you for letting me have this uh, time with you. I, but one of the, I think, things I leave with is this, is if we can all just learn to check our egos at the door like we did that day. And I, I tell this story because one of the questions I was asked that night in a hospital bed uh, by a reporter was, was it really women and children out first, like you hear in the movies, right? Mm. And, I, and I sort of thought for a second, I said, no, I said, I said, I think no one cared if you were white or black, gay or lesbian. No one cared. We were all in this thing together because we had a common mission and common purpose. And, and so that was a great lesson for all of us. That it doesn't matter what color your skin is or if you're gay or lesbian or transsexual. Whatever. We're all human beings, right? <laughs> when those hurricanes would hit North Carolina, my, dad, my grandpa would say, we're all the same color in the dark. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. So I'll just have <laughs> leave people with that, like, you know, just, let's just focus on the bigger mission about caring for each other. And, you know, leave, leave all this other stuff that doesn't mean a thing in the long run. When you're, when you're going down in the plane crash, it doesn't mean a thing, right? I can, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. What is the biggest lesson you learned from that experience? That uh, I really mis was a mismanager of my time. And I, for someone who is so focused on time management, one of the things I realized after it was this is, you know, I was missing so many things with my kids because I was following my dad's footprints. See, my dad was gone three or four nights a week like I was because his model of the world, which became my model of the world, was, and I, you got to remember, he grew up in the 40s, right, 40s and 50s, so we got to put things in perspective, right, sure. where dads would go out and earn the money and moms would stay home and raise the families. So that's what he did, and we, you know, he made the money. So my thought was, if I make enough money, my kids will have a better life, right? But what I found out is I was missing so many things, my kids wanted my time. That's right. That's and I couldn't right. get it back. So I, the biggest change it made for me is I made, I, so I shift my calendar around. I schedule my family first and then business around it. And I know my company didn't really appreciate some of that, but I didn't care. Right. I didn't care. I still did that today. Well, it's interesting because I think a lot of people are rearranging life and, and making uh, family more priority, time with people they care about more of a priority. It's interesting. I just had a birthday and everybody's going to get a birthday under COVID. And yep. I found that instead of the big parties, I really enjoy <laughs> just seeing one or two people, you know, each time, just social distance and getting to spend quality time with friends, too, which is right. so important. But you're right. The connection is the biggest thing, and it's so nice to connect with you. And, Dave, I really appreciate it when you let me tease you and say that if Hollywood was making a movie about Rudy Giuliani, you would be starring in it. Well, you would be playing him. <laughs> well, thank, thank you. I can't wait for you to get one of the first copies of the book when it comes out here in September. I'll make sure you get a copy, okay? I'll be happy to, I'll be happy to have one. I think it'll be really inspirational. And I just thank Thanks. you so much, Dave. I really appreciate your story, and I know it's going to touch even more lives as you can. Thank you very much. God bless. Progress. Thank you. Bye-bye. Please subscribe to the show. 
follow me. If you love watching the show, then follow Rolanda Watch Channel on YouTube. If you're somebody who just likes to listen to podcasts in your car, then go to iTunes, RolandaOnDemand.com. You can find me there or any place that you love your podcasts. But please follow me. And also every day of the week, you can follow me in social media, all the platforms, even TikTok, honey, I'm on TikTok. <laughs> you can follow me at Rolanda Watts. That's R-O-L-O-N-D-A-W-A-T-T-S. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.